Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's March 8th, 1971, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali. The Retrospectors. In the 1970s, Life magazine had no shortage of star photographers potentially available to capture images of the so-called fight of the century, the boxing match between Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier, which took place on this day back in 1971. And yet the man behind the lens sitting ringside for that venerable old US magazine was none other than Frank Sinatra. And even more surprisingly, life also had no shortage of staff writers, but the person whose text his images would be accompanying was none other than Norman Mailer, who was also sitting there scribbling away. Well, yes, but Frank Sinatra and Norman Mailer are exactly the sort of people that would have been ringside anyway. Barbara Streisand was there, Sammy Davis Jr., Miles Davis, Woody Allen, Hugh Hefner, Dustin Hoffman, Diana Ross... Bing Crosby apparently turned up to watch this fight, thinking he could get in and suffered the indignity of going to watch the giant screen in Radio City Music Hall with the overflow audience instead. It was a hot ticket, but Sinatra had a ticket. It's just that the guys at Life magazine had heard that he was going to be taking some pictures. Bing Crosby being turned away from this fight reminds me of that viral uh, video of Paul McCartney being turned away from a club and saying to the bouncer, how famous do you have to be to get in here? (laughs) 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 But, well, as for whether uh, Frank Sinatra had a ticket or not, so this is a matter of some contention. So one report suggested that he uh, made a deal with Life magazine to do the photography uh, pretty much just so that he could get as close to the action as possible. But the then managing editor of the magazine actually denied this in the introduction to the edition in question, March 16th, 1971, where they're reporting on the fight. Uh, So Ralph Graves, the managing editor, wrote, for our pictures of the action, we were relying on the magazine pool photographers at ringside, but it never hurts to have a horseshoe in your glove. And so he said that basically they had found uh, Frank Sinatra years earlier when they did a profile of him to be a really keen amateur photographer. And shortly before the fight, they learned that Sinatra had wangled himself a ringside seat and was going to be taking pictures anyway. This is what they said. And so they were like, well, let's just uh, hit him up for his pics and see how they look. And they said they were so good that they'd ended up giving him both the cover shot and a memorable full-page yeah, picture uh, spread. No, see, now there's red flags in Ralph Graves' comments here. Because if the case was, <laughs> oh, we've got our own photographers, it's fine. We just thought we'd have a look at what Frank Sinatra did. If that was the case, why did they use not only his image on the cover they used four Sinatra shots across the feature and I have a suspicion that the reason that Graves may have downplayed it is that it immediately drew backlash from professional photographers who were objecting to what they saw obviously as special treatment that was being handed out to Sinatra because of his celebrity including a former lifestyle photographer called Robert Kelly who wrote a letter to the editor that was actually published which fair play hats off to life where he says sirs I'm so mad I could chew nails and spit tacks. I've been a professional news photographer for 34 years, about 18 on life stuff. And what irks me is your cover. It was obviously selected because Frank Sinatra took it rather than for any photographic excellence. In fact, it was a bad picture. What millions of life readers wanted to see was Fraser's fist firmly implanted against Muhammad Ali's mouth. 
Sour Grapes for mine because I reckon it's a great cover. I think it's a really good shot, at least the way that they've cropped it and enhanced well, it. Well, and written know. underneath, photo by Frank Sinatra. Like, I mean, well, the celebrity, that helps. you know, <laughs> association is important, isn't it? Because it captures something of the event, doesn't it? It captures something of that circus of famous people that I was reeling off. And yes, of course, if you're an established photojournalist of three decades, then it would have annoyed you because Life magazine was the magazine, wasn't it? Like, if you're a, if you're a mm. photojournalist, the cover of Life magazine was the pinnacle that you wanted to aspire to in exactly this kind of news event. But it's just cooler that it says Frank Sinatra on the front. And he wasn't the only celebrity who was robbing a professional of their job at this fight. <laughs> the colour commentator for pay-per-view viewers was Burt Lancaster, who had no previous experiences of commentating on anything. He'd agreed to do it because a friend asked him to, and apparently he wasn't very good at it. I couldn't see the, uh, I couldn't see any video clips, but apparently he wouldn't stop talking, which I thought was a job of the commentator, but he obviously wasn't saying the right stuff. Another thing that is actually lost to history about the significance of Frank Sinatra getting this cover of Muhammad Ali being beaten that I think would have made sense to people at the time is that Sinatra had this personal history with Muhammad Ali in that six years earlier at the height of his powers Sinatra had famously backed the former world champion and civil rights activist Floyd Patterson to beat Ali and Sinatra really hoped that Patterson would crush him thereby proving white liberal America right and winning as he said the title back for America but when Patterson didn't and suffered this really humbling quite brutal 12 round beating Sinatra really turned his back on Patterson and never spoke to him again. But this fight itself had further significance outside of the ring, as well as being this great meeting of uh, of heavyweights, uh, in that uh, Muhammad Ali was uh, representative of the sort of brash, trash-talking, like superstar-turned-hero-of-the-anti-war left because he had refused to go to Vietnam. And Frazier, meanwhile, was the quiet and stolid sort of saviour of the right-of-centre America, who was a weird proxy, actually, for white America. Yeah. And so it became this ba- battle between two ideologies. Yeah, that's right. So Ali in all of the sort of pre-match build-up, I mean, he was the absolute undisputed master of this, wasn't he? Was was trash-talking with incredible dexterity all about Frazier and casting him as Uncle Tom, as the white man's champion. It was ridiculous because you look at it now and it's clearly two incredibly powerful, strong African-American figures, isn't it? But, but then it was obvious that Sinatra would have supported Frazier, really, even if he hadn't backed Patterson the time before. So again, yeah, I think his name on the cover at the moment that Ali got defeated, I mean, that's the other thing. By the time the magazine came out, you know, a few days later, everyone knew that Ali had lost. You're looking at a picture of Frazier winning photo by Frank Sinatra. Mm. So it's loaded, isn't it? And there was so much at stake because it was an unusual situation. After uh, Muhammad Ali refused to be drafted for Vietnam, he was stripped of his titles and he was banned from boxing. And in the meantime, Frazier became the new world heavyweight champion. So it was this unique kind of, you know how in medieval times, sometimes you'd have a pope and then you'd have a rival Mm anti-pope. It was a little bit like that. You know, who is the real heavyweight champion? You've got these two candidates and half of America thinks that one of them's legitimate and the other one thinks the other's legitimate so let's put them head to head and see who's actually going to win and obviously then they've also become symbols of the pro and anti-war factions which again Frazier an interesting person for that to be projected on because he had had certainly not come out as being pro-Vietnam war he wasn't eligible to be drafted because he had a wife and children and he'd actually helped Ali out financially while he was being excluded from boxing so he certainly wasn't looking for that kind of status and he and Ali had previously 
had this kind of professional friendship and it soured incredibly over these events. The taunting actually continued right into the ring and apparently there was a moment in the 15th round where Muhammad Ali said to Frazier, fool, don't you know that God's ordained I be champion? And Frazier replies, I don't know how they're having a conversation while also beating the, <laughs> the living crap out of one another. But he says, well, God's going to get his ass whooped tonight. <laughs> and, then, and then dips and ta- takes this left hook that like exploded on Ali's jaw and sent him to the canvas. And that was part of the reason he won. He won on points, including the fact that he went to the canvas two times. Yeah, well, I suppose Frazier just being so annoyed at Ali probably is what translated into giving him the edge, actually, in this particular fight. Because in the next two fights, of course, because they fought twice more, Ali won, mm. didn't he? But Frazier had yeah. testified to Congress on Ali's behalf. It was Frazier who had personally petitioned President Nixon for a pardon for Ali from his suspended five-year jail sentence. So mm. to then have this thrown back at his face obviously made him really, really... I mean, it was something that never subsided throughout their careers. It's quite interesting. Like, you read things saying, oh, they sort of... Isn't it great these two great sports people sort of made up, you know, and ended up appearing on yeah. TV together for decades afterwards? Well, kind of. But if you look at what they said, when it yeah. came time to write his autobiography, this is what Frazier wrote about Ali's diagnosis for Parkinson's. People ask if I feel bad for him now, things aren't going so well. Nope, I don't give a damn. Truth is, I'd like to rumble with that sucker again, beat him up piece by piece and mail him back to Jesus. I'll bury his ass when the <laughs> Lord chooses to take him. I mean, it's not that magnanimous, is it? They're like, guys, stop it. You've been boxing for too long. Like, you can only speak in trash talk. Stop doing that. We're talking about his Parkinson's diagnosis. He can't switch it off. There was another one where, at the moment where Muhammad Ali was given the honour of lighting the cauldron at the 1996 Olympic Games, Frazier said they should have pushed him in. (laughs) (laughs) There's a clip of them on telly where they start having a fight again in a slot where they're supposed to be good-naturedly analysing what happened during the fight and they end up standing up and wrestling each other in the studio. Um, And the sports anchor that's there to interview them just immediately goes into commentary mode and starts commentating on what's happening in the studio. Oh, Frazier's very disappointed at having been called dishonest. Ali's going for the the floor. What's that? Frank Sinatra taking a photo to bring it home for Life magazine. Tomorrow. When Lord Rama was exiled and his entire kingdom began to follow him into the forest, he told his disciples... Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network.